I think that if I could get that record and finish that record featuring me and you, and I think that a joint like this, <laughs> hello, God, hello. Let me hello, tell you, God, be- hello. <laughs> hello, let me <laughs> DJ Khaled's voice. Um, but so here it is. I, I'm raised in, we leave Brooklyn, we go to New Jersey. We live in East Orange, New Jersey. I go to a school, it's called Nassau. That's the name of this school. So when I go to this school called Nassau, what I notice is a lot of the kids that was coming from the hood, like myself, they just felt like at the end of the day, those meals that they were eating that one meal with that chocolate milk, right? They like really appreciated that because they didn't know when they got back to their communities what they would have, you feel me? So I got back to my house and I said, I took my trombone out and I started to play it. Then I heard a radio, a big, loud noise. Of course, my parents were Caribbean. They bought a house. Now, what does that mean? That means they live in a little part of the house and the rest of the house is rented. You feel what I'm saying to you? So this radio is coming from the top floor and it is blasting. I think it was the devil on the left side of my shoulder says, hey man, you know what would be a great idea? If you waited for the tenant to leave and go upstairs and take the radio and bring the radio to school and to show all of those kids with the chocolate milk that goes back to the hood, like how cool you are. So I go upstairs when the tenant is away and I mess up her entire room. When I mess up her room, I take the radio. I can't bring the radio downstairs and walk through the front door because my mom is standing there for inspection. This is what happens in a Caribbean household. Your mom's in the front. When you leave it, she's doing the checkout. And the checkout, she's going to check. Okay, you got your socks, you got your shoes, you brush your teeth. You got your bag. You have your books. So blessed. So I threw the radio from the third floor onto the cornfield in the back. Hold on. Y'all like clef. Cornfield? Yeah. My father grew a cornfield in the back, like in the house we had in the hood. Radio falls in the back, falls right in the cornfield. I go out and I see my mama and she does the checkout and we check out and I sneak in the back of the cornfield and get my radio and now I hit the streets with my radio. It's a big ass Sony radio and I'm putting it on my shoulder. This looked like a scene from Fat Albert because this radio is bigger than me. And what am I playing? My radio, believe it, I like it loud. Oh yeah, I'm going in. The girls are checking me out. Hey, hey. 
And I get in this school, and I'm like the coolest kid, because I'm blessed. I bought something to the school. Why did I want them to see that big-ass radio? Because I felt like the communities that they were in, they, they wasn't fortunate enough to see this radio. Like, the closest they saw it was television, Beach Street, you know what I'm saying? Stuff like that. So, there's a problem after having such a big radio. How do you get it back to the house before the tenant comes back? And the lady gets back before me. I'm in my room. The radio ascended to the hood. My man, Haseeb, he lived on Walnut Street. I told him, hold on to this radio. I'm going to be back for it. The tenant on the third floor, all I heard was a scream. Barre vole. And this scream meant, catch the thief. So when she says this, my mother goes upstairs and she noticed the whole room is vandalized. The woman's radio is missing. She come back downstairs, she says, Clef, have you seen the radio? I don't know nothing about no radio. She brings my sister, my brothers, and she says, y'all don't want me to bring the broom out because if I bring the broom out, the broom is gonna tell me who the radio is. So my sister squeals on me and she says, Clef had a radio. And I look at my sister and I says, you mean the radio Haseeb gave me? She says, no, you was walking around with a big radio. My sister was like D from what's happening. My father came back and he literally took me to the hood. He says, walk in the front, I'm gonna walk behind you, I'm gonna beat you until you get to the house where you stored the radio. My dad bought me, I told Haseeb, bring me the radio, bro. He made me carry this radio for a month on my shoulder. Everywhere I went, he said, you will tell them the same story. So I go to my grandma and she's like, that's a nice radio. Where'd you get it from? And I gotta be like, grandma, I stole the radio. So what can I say about this story? At the end of the day, I'm blessed because if I ain't have parents like that, who knew what I would have turned out to be? You know what I'm saying to you? So let's get into it, man. Run that back. Man, listen, Kirk, let me tell you something. Um, first of all, I'm wearing this hat because <laughs> my daddy was a minister. He was a brim man. Really? But I know Texas is in the building. You know what I'm saying? Come on, and come there's on. something about that. Come, come on, man. Come I know on. about the brim game, man. Listen, Straight man, out of I got 80. A, <laughs> come on, man. I got a horse right outside. I got the horse that's up parked in the... Uh, <laughs> I got a horse parked in the valet, son. How you doing? So, so your pops man. was... Your pops was a minister in Haiti? Yeah, my pops started off in Haiti as a minister, right? Wow. And he got his visa. He got, he got, so he was an ordained minister in Haiti at 18 years old. 
Wow. And then he got, so he got a chance to come to America on a work visa to preach for the Church of the Nazarene. Wow. You know what I mean? So yeah. my daddy left me at one years old. Wow. And um, I only tell you this, because this is how I'm going to break the ice with you. When I first heard you, um, we was raised with Caribbean worship. Uh, and so let me give you, the only way I could do this is, I've been working on this for two hours. Uh-oh, uh-oh, and uh-oh. I just want to show you, and I want the world to understand, standing in front of that church, playing all them instruments and listening to you, um, here's my introduction and respect to you. Let's play. No, listen to me. Kirk Franklin, a choir director at 11. Why Clef Jean, choir director at 13. When you put it together, this is what it sounds like. Tune for them. Brothers and sisters. I want to welcome you back to life. Back to the one. That can make your next chapter hey. your best chapter. Hallelujah. How can it be? Yeah. Let you let <laughs> Loving you. 
Why, why didn't you jump on it? Why didn't you jump on it? No, listen. <laughs> why didn't you jump on it? Yeah. Listen. Listen. There's a time and a season and a reason for everything. I wish I knew. All I could do is tell you I've always wanted to produce a record for Kirk Franklin, right? So guess what? At the end of the day, I figured the only way to break the ice with you was when I was hearing this record to literally put what was in my brain to show you, because there's people that could say they appreciate you, but for me, the way that I can express myself besides my philosophy is my art. So when I say to you, you know, I respect you like I respect King David, who played wow. the harp. The only way I can do that is wow. to introduce this segment by just showing you what you mean to me, man. You know what I mean? So this is what you mean to millions of us around the world when we hear your compositions, your voice, your arrangement. So um, welcome a great brother, you know what I'm saying? And, and the idea of 11 years old I can connect with it a lot. I came from Haiti when I was 10. So by the time I was 11, I was in the projects. And my daddy had his first church, right? It started in the projects, I'd say, um, with the six of us. So what, 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 because for a lot of us, right, that start off in the church and are inspired by you, if you could take us to those early years, because there's a 11 year old that's probably listening to us now. Take us to the journey, King. Yeah, it's kind of hard to transition after you drop that 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 uh jewel. That's you though. <laughs> that's I'm that's trying to, all you though, I'm man. I'm trying to work it out. So, <laughs> so, so you're saying that you are gonna you're saying you are gonna jump on it, and then we're gonna drop Listen, it, and then we're gonna drop I, it for the people. I'm just trying yeah, to. Yeah, I think the beat that I did right here is a beat that it's all you. It was sort of like as a producer, and I saw you in the red carpet. We was in, I think we yeah. was in LA. Yeah. And I'm, once again, I look at you with the glare, and I'm letting you know I'm, how much I admire you, right? So wow. the good thing with Run That Back, I get a chance to show you. Not only is do we have that, unfortunately, my show is not an interview, it's a conversation, and I haven't even started with the surprises that I bought for you today, so. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Okay, the remix for show. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, 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 we'll come back to that in a minute. All right, we'll come back to that in Facts. a minute. Facts, I got you. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I uh, remember being, also, I remember being in New York City in 1997 when I was invited to a listening session for your solo album. You didn't even know I was in there. You didn't even know I was facts. in the studio, did you? No, no, facts. Yeah. Carnival. Yeah. yeah. I was yeah. in the studio they, in they. New York City. You was doing a listening joint. I don't know how I got invited, uh, but um, like Stomp, it just came out. And so yeah. I, I uh, had a of chance course. to come. I had a chance to come listen to Carnival. Uh, and uh, it was it was an epic moment for me. It was an epic because that's when I first heard the BG joint and was like, okay, uh, this, this 
this guy is something different, you know? And I've always been a fan of your voice. I thought your voice has always had the, the pain of indigenous people for the last 400 years wrapped into your throat. That that's when I when I hear your voice, I hear the echoes of the diaspora, and and I and I hear and I hear the weeping of indigenous people in your voice, and I've always felt that way. I've I've always felt that there's been uh, this this this, this compelling weeping of uh, of uh, those that have been robbed of having a voice. So we'll get to that in a minute too. Um, but you know, right. the young- Thank you, brother. But the young kid, man, adopted. I was four years old and I was adopted, abandoned by my mom and daddy. And uh, the lady that adopted me, she was so much older than 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 I was. She, she adopted me, she was 64. And she adopted me wow. when I was four. So by the time I'm 11, she's 71 years old, raised in the church and she was a very, deeply entrenched church mother. And so, um, you know, you know, just being uh, her, her introduction for me in church, in church music and church culture, it just became a sounding board of what I couldn't say. And standing in front of that choir and teaching them music at 11 years old. And, you know, these older people trying to figure out why was I there? And I'm trying to figure out why, why I was there too. It was uh, really compelling. It, it was really compelling for me to be able to try to figure out what I was trying to do and say uh, and trying to connect what's wrong with me. Why, why wasn't I accepted? Why was I rejected by the people that should have loved me? And did not really understand those reasons and then who God was versus what religion was. And so, uh, it was a very, uh, interesting, uh, sometimes duplicitous journey, you know, where you have all these, these, uh, these, these moments that can be very challenging and confusing. Man, that's, that, that's definitely, I've, I so relate to that because my dad left me at one and I didn't unite with my dad till I was 10. So wow. literally he left because he had that visa to come to the United States and preach. And he named me um, originally John Wycliffe. So my name is Nellis Wycliffe John, John Wycliffe from the, uh, the Reformatator. The first wow. translation of Matthew, Mark, yeah, Luke, yeah, and John, yeah, 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 yeah. and the John Wycliffe Bible. Wow. So, so we wow. have, so I think we have, um, we have like a lot in common. The part which is so important to me was growing up in Haiti. I always say like, my grandfather was a, a, a voodoo priest. Wow. And yeah, my grandfather was a voodoo priest. And my grand, it's a crazy story. So if my grandfather was a voodoo priest and at 18 years old, my father was like, okay, well, I'm going to be a minister, right? So he denounced the teachings of my grandfather, right? Wow. So he was like, no, I'm going to practice Christianity and I'm going to be a minister, 18 years old, right? And then years later, uh, my dad come and get me and he raises us in the church. And me, my brothers and sisters, we literally was like, the best way to describe it in the church was like the Jackson Five, because we was literally <laughs> just kids. Yeah. And with anonymous, you know, the talent is enormous, but he's training us 
because he wants us to take over his church. You know what I'm saying? Wow. The whole thing is the church got to be passed on. So at 18 years old, I look at my father and I'm like, well, you know, I ain't going to be no minister. <laughs> and he was like, what are you going to be? And I said, because he had set up for me to go to Eastern Nazarene College, me and my brother. And then from Eastern Nazarene College, after we learned theology, to go to BU to study law. So wow. in the Caribbean, <clears throat> in the Caribbean scope of coming to America, you're either going to be a doctor, lawyer, engineer, you know, they have a whole thing with the diaspora. Yeah. So yeah. I told my father, I was like, I'm going to be a rapper. He was like, rapper? What is a rapper? Rapper, that's boom music. You're going to do drug dealer music? And I was like, no, dad. I said, I'm literally going to do what you did, but, or, or, or grandpa did, but it's going to be my translation to my generation. And, um, and it's so funny because one denounced the other, the other denounced the other. And at the end of the day, to look how much we all have in common because the common goal of spirituality and having a chance to travel to the, the parts of Africa at a very young age, right? Because not only can I read the books, but to actually land in places where you're making comparison with history yeah, and different yeah, places yeah. was yeah. why I found you amazing was because when we was in the church, we was playing calypso, reggae rhythms, hip-hop rhythms, funk rhythms, and the church literally would take us, my father would take us by the ear, drag us to the other room, and like, yo, y'all not supposed to be playing this beat. Like, I need y'all to adjust the form of what y'all playing, because literally, within that form of Christianity, within Nazarene, it was more yeah. like Amy Grant. Yeah. Um, it was more like yeah. Petra. The yeah. rock band. Petra, so, God, dog. You just took it. Okay. Petra. Dude. <laughs> dude. It's I, too late. It's too late for Annie. So I'm yeah. like, I'm showing you like, so the, the advantage that we had was my church congregation spoke Creole. Like they barely spoke English at the time. So I, I looked at my brothers and, and, and my sister. So we came up with a pack. I was like, look, all these people want to hear is Jesus name. Like at the end of the day, the only words that they know in English is Jesus and hallelujah. Wow. So, so from now on, so we never get busted no more. <laughs> Anything that we like, that we're listening to, just we're gonna Jesus just add and Jesus and hallelujah in it. Cause it's a, 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 a Christian, you know, a crayon based church, right? <laughs> Fam, King, I kid you not. So we be in church, right? Go ahead, jump, jump for Jesus Christ, right? So we so anything. I'm so sorry you had to do that. Yo, and I only say that because when you came around and the energy that you was bringing, you was just showing that rhythms isn't all of us. It's yeah. the messaging. Yes, sir. That's a little different. So what was that journey like? Because you literally did something that in history, it's so important that people don't understand that a lot of people try to do but can't accomplish it. It's not even about the millions of albums sold, the, the, the 16 Grammy Awards, which is insanely marvelous. But 
the fact that you literally broke a mold that no one has done, right? Because there was that thing like, yo, it's circular music. So we literally would have to hide the fact that we was in the club <laughs> on Saturdays, yeah. Yeah. extremely yeah. turning up, and on Sundays yeah. with the blind face, like nothing's going yeah. on. Yeah. What was that journey like, man, for you? So more than anything, I, I was raised in church, but what was really in my heart was the culture. You know, I I was mm -hmm. a break dancer. I, I was... I was I was an MC back in the 80s. I had rhymes like, you know, Ronald Reagan's no friend of mine. The man keep wasting uh, all my time. He oh never give uh, black people slack. And every time I turn around, he's on my back. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, you, know, you know, I was... I Reaganomics. Was yeah, 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 yeah. That's what I'm saying. You know, so, you know, it's, I was always, you know, kind of like into that, you know. Um, and, you know, my street name was Kid Fresh. And, and then, uh, yeah. you know, like... Like, like, and I was always taking like R&B joints. Like I was listening to, uh, you know, to the Commodores. I was listening to mm. Michael Jackson and to early Prince Jackson 5. I was listening to Elton John. I took an Elton John song and I flipped it for church. Uh, the the Ben and the Jets joint. They said, uh, he's coming mm. back. I know he's coming mm. back. I said that Jesus is coming back. Bum, 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 mm. bum. He said that he is coming back. Dun, 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 you know, so I was, that's where I was and that's where I lived. I was, I was playing in church, but the culture was what pulled me. I was very much pulled into the culture. And so, uh, around about 1985, a homeboy of mine got killed and, uh, and he was the good dude, you know, Clef, he didn't smoke, he didn't wild out. You know, he was a church kid, you know, you know, good brother. And uh, and he accidentally got killed. And I knew that I was still out in them streets a little bit, smoking, drinking, doing the fool, trying to find love the wrong way. And uh, when he got killed, uh, his name was Eric. And when Eric got killed, I just remember the summer of 1985, getting on my knees in, in, in Gertrude's den. And uh, just, you know, just like hitting my knees real hard. And it was like, God, man, I want to know you for myself. I want to accept you know, Jesus in my heart, I want to believe. Uh, and I know that my life is like mad crazy. And I just really want to want to have a closer relationship with you. And 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 I want to be a son and I want to be able to know you. And and so like that started that that moment. I'm I was very confident that it changed the trajectory of my life. Like, you know, mm. like I started like I stopped smoking weed just like that. I stopped, you know, wilding. Um, I uh, and then God started kind of putting a little drip on my songs. Like my songs had a little more drip, and like this whole moment of songwriting changed, you know. And I was still taking R&B joints and flipping them in church. Like there was an old, uh, there was old yo. Cause do you remember this? This uh, you ever heard of Peebo Bryson? You ever Peebo? Oh yeah, yeah. Of so course. like. So people had this joint, old joint, and I flipped it. It said, uh, heal me, dun, dun, dun. I want to feel your power. And I would like flip that. Jesus, don't you know that you are my protection? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. You know, so I mean, and, and, and it's like, we would have the church rocking and I'd get kicked uh -huh. out. I was getting kicked out of churches, like, you know, like mad kicked out of churches. Like they was doing sermons on me, like no cap. They was like doing sermons on me. And it was like, it was like mad horrible. And then 
uh, around about 18, I had a pastor that kind of like took me up on his wing and he was kind of like, yo man, just fly, just do you, just, just do whatever you, and, and, and like, and, and like he would keep the deacons at bay because they was trying to like crucify me and I just started yeah. to grow into me. And so that's, that, that was the, that was the evolution of me still trying to figure out who God was, who I was in context to God, what the music was supposed to be. But I'm gonna tell you something, Clef, I never wanted to do any other music outside of uh, gospel music. Like, like, like after that 85 encounter with God, man, I never wanted to do any other music. I never had an idea, you know, like, like, like I wasn't trying to do demos or being an MC or trying to do R&B tracks. I wanted to do gospel music. There's always somebody in these situations to see you for you. You know what I mean? It's dope Word up. Word that up. that pastor Word was up. like, what was his name? Yeah. Uh, Roy West. Roy. Yeah. The name was Roy, Roy West. Roy West. And he was Big the up homie. to Roy. He was the homie. Rest in peace. Rest in peace, man. Uh, Roy West uh, was the homie and he kind of just let me fly, yo. That's ill. So when I saw you on the carpet, the red carpet, my mother, uh -huh. my father had passed away, but my mom, all she'd be like, every time she see me, is always like, when you coming back to the church, right? <laughs> Don't matter, like, what you do, she it's like, do, yo, when are you- She still do you like, like she's, that? Do me like that, like, yo, when you come back to the church, like, come to, <laughs> come to your dad's old church, come to the church. So, um, my mom, when we was younger, <clears throat> she got us into singing a lot. So, I said that before my mama's eyes closed, and she transitioned to the other side that I'm going to do a Caribbean gospel album for her, right? Mm. So <clears throat> I started writing all of this material, right? And so the vibe that I played, just different, like I just started having a vibe. And then Madeline Nelson, who's my manager, she's right here, she'll tell you. So I was like, yo, um, when I see you, like, I'm gonna just play you some frequencies like of what the church sounded like. So you heard one of the frequencies and I guess this epiphany came after I seen Amazing Grace by Aretha Franklin. Dope. And then my mama talked to me and I was like, hold up. I was like, there's a whole side of me that's important for like a kid that's in Haiti or in Africa or in Brazil or in the rural streets of America to understand the, that godly tradition thing, you know? Because when we look, they'd be like, Elvis is king and then Elvis has a gospel album. You know what I'm saying to you? Mm -hmm. And yeah. he's singing all these gospel songs and it's like, it's still Elvis. And I was like, yo, but there's a whole Caribbean side of gospel. And I was like, what if that was fused with Kirk, what happened is like, what happens if the best of both worlds come together? So uh -oh. none of this material, so even from the first material you heard, everything's yours, I'm just showing you. So here's a vibe of what my church sounded like. So you can at least see the fusion of the church. Um, Cause I'm going into your world and I'm seeing, and I'm like, hold up, I'm like, this just, this sounds like we was like in different parts of the world, but similar churches. So this one is just an idea. And that's why I'll run that back. I could do stuff like that. This one, I call it Hello God. So let me testify. 
I was born in Haiti. My daddy was a minister. He believed in having churches in the hood, you know what I mean? He brought us to Newark, New Jersey after Brooklyn, 1108 South Orange Avenue. Let me take you back to what gospel, Caribbean vibes felt like in that church. But you gotta have faith, yeah. Like Moses with a stick, yeah. Like Daniel and Dick, yeah. When the enemy come, come. Hello, God. Hello. Hello, God. Hello. Hello, God. Hello. 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 Hello, God. Hello. Hello, God. Hello. Hello, God. Listen, I am working on Tamla Mann's new album. Uh, she's the young lady that I wrote the song for years ago called Take Me to the King. Really, really, really big record for her. Praise God. Yes. And I think that if I could get that record and finish that record featuring me and you, if you would consider that, I think that that would be a huge record. Her last record was, was you know, t- Take Me to the King was a, you know, was a platinum selling album for her. A rec- record for her, and I think that a joint like this. <laughs> hello, God. Well, hello. Let me hello, tell you, God. What's be- hello. <laughs> hello. Let me. So let me tell you what's what. Um. So what happens is in life, people have wish lists, and things happen accordingly to the times, right? So, um. As you know, now you're like, yo, Clef was really obsessed with me if he's remixing my, like, he really knows me. (laughs) So the good thing about this conversation is I have a remix with you now (laughs) that I got to jump on, and I am co-writing with you. And and I am amazed. I've already written my part. when When I did this record, though, Hello God, Madeline Nelson is right here. The first person, I was like... If I could get, because, you know, certain things, like, it's almost like two senseis within a a kung fu movie. And it's two different styles. You know what I'm saying? You might come with the eye and claw, and I come with the drunken master, right? But at the end of the day, so the drunken master is like, look, man, if I can get this to 
Iron Claw, Eagle Claw. There's something that he's gonna, there's something. So it's like all of this epiphany was coming, but I just, it was all pouring out. But I was like, if I could get this in your hands, but when I saw you at the, 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 the red carpet, I keep going back there with the beautiful um, gear you was rocking, your beautiful wife. <laughs> and I was like, and I told, and I, I so wanted to tell you about it, but it, it wasn't the right moment. Bro, so I had um, no, I, I had forward. no idea that you had, 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 that you had tentacles this deep. Yeah. Into yeah. the world that I've been living in, and and just man, that is the most humbling. Just because, you know, as you're looking at you and in the world, and and I'm over here the same age probably as you, maybe maybe a few years older, and 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 I'm inspired by what you you know. It's 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 like I'm in Texas doing everything that you're you know looking at every Fuji record like this. You know, just listening yeah. to everything, you know, you know, yeah. like I want to uh, like I want to work on something for my next record whenever it's time for me to work on this record. And I want to start it off with ooh la 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 ooh la la la, you know, and it, it's like and I want to yeah. do that. You know, I've been having that yeah. in my head. You know, I don't know. Did, yeah. did you hear my hey, yo, one, two, three? Come on, bro. I just, Dude. you know. Okay, I just, you know. I, look, look, I think by now you have to understand, like, when I tell you, there's no way, like, when you heard that remix in the beginning, there's no way if I'm not tapped into you, because when I tell you, like, I'm tapped into you, it's just, like, when I start the record, I'm like, yo, you know, you put put a choir director at 11, you know, the <laughs> other one at 13. Yeah, These are, yeah. We're t it's two choir boys, like, you know what I'm yeah. saying? I'm gonna be on you the same way. So when oh, I get- please. What are, you, you, know, what are we talking about? Like, don't, there's, you're gonna be like, yo, There's Clef. no comparison. I'll be like, yo, you up? Yo. So what's going on? What you doing that, right now? What that you is no comparison, man. What's going on, Bert? That is no comparison. No <laughs> like, okay. no whatever, whatever, King, whatever. Let me put my hat back on <laughs> so you know. Um, yo. So I'm very excited. Before I let you go, man, you are one of the greatest voices in the world. And oh, Lord. the climate that we in, and as we keep moving towards this climate, we don't have no choice but to talk about it. There's something which seems like a cycle that keeps repeating and repeating itself and repeating itself. And it's the idea of killing black folks. Uh. It seems like the pattern is continuing over and over again. So what, what, what is, what's the, the last words that you could leave us with as Kirk Franklin, one of our leaders of the world, and where it looks like at times the nation's divided. Where do you see us going and what you think we can do to improve it? Is I'm going to speak from the community that I mainly live in, and that is the Christian community, which was also very instrumental for the continuation of slavery in America. Um, um, it was there. It was their lack of acknowledging that uh, that that the origin of the original sin of 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 the history of America was because of the misappropriation of of biblical texts, and to not have a unified voice that 
even in the book of Exodus, you talk about um, um, uh, Old Testament, that if a man takes another man for his own, that that is punishable by death. So the Bible has always echoed throughout um, uh, uh, its, its origin of the canon of scripture coming together that slavery has always been, as, especially chattel slavery that existed in America um, that was once again reaffirmed and reinforced by European Christian beliefs and values that the weaponization of Western Christianity did not reflect the teachings of Jesus Christ. They were not synonymous. And so until we collectively as white Christians, brown Christians, purple Christians, start to have a unified voice that social injustice matters to God. And as long as we try to manipulate uh, 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 the realm of politics to justify our evil behavior in the 21st century, we will never get race right until we get the race right. And until we get the Christian race right, there will always exist race in America because racism in America is a sin issue that, 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 that evolves and exposes itself into socioeconomic issues, into marginalization, into, in, into redlining. So all of these systemic lanes that we can uh, continue to uh, uh, expand on, um, we won't be able to address it at its core until we address that if the church in America during the 20th and 19th century, 18th century, 17th century, and 16th century, as soon as we landed in Jamestown, if we could have collectively said that this is not of God and we cannot support this in any, in, in any way up under the banner of, of a biblocentric lens, slavery would have never existed in America. If collectively, if Christians would have said slavery was a sin, it would have never existed in America. And that same level of silence is continuing. And this is why we continue to have this upheaval and this, 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 the, these, these areas that continue to be contemporaneous in America is because the church has not had a unified voice about the issue of race. Wow. Well, my brother, well, I want to thank you. I love you. We love you. And we look forward to the next 100 years with Kirk Franklin. <laughs> and I love you. We love you. And salute to you, my king, your beautiful Honored. queen. Tell her I said Honored. hello. Sure and, um, and I look forward. We connected. Vibes. Honored. Honored. Yeah. Salute. The band is called Salt. The album is called Untitled Blackest. And this song right here is called Wild Fires. This album the vibe of this band 
as someone who is a collector still of the vinyls and as a geeker of engineers, the way that this thing sound like it's coming through, I'm trying to figure out, is this being done through analog or through digital? What kind of tubes are these people using? This band salt is incredible. So, so you know what's cool? Every time for me, like when I go back to like Marvin Gaye, like what's going on? Or any Bob Dylan song, but let's pick one, Hurricane. Right. We see like at times when climate changes and like the rise of, of music always like balance things out because it always speaks a level of truth. So trust me, y'all need to listen to this, man. This is like gonna be like on a Y Clef top list. I think like this is top five for me right now. So let's check this out. Big shout out to Salt. So, Maddie, what do you have for us this week? First thing I want to get into is um, this, this new phenomenon called cancel culture. Have you heard of cancel culture? No, break it down, please. All right. So cancel culture basically is when you stop support, you, bas you boycott a person. Right? Mm -hmm. And so cancel culture has become huge. It's become really big. Um, so somebody might <clears throat> say something on a TV show or radio or something that big part of the population does not agree with. And all of a sudden, all you can see across like all of media is that this person is canceled. So that's mm -hmm. what cancel culture is. And I've been watching this whole cancel culture phenomenon and, and the celebrities who have been getting canceled and um, some of the How things... How long were they canceled for? Well, when cancel culture cancels them, they are supposed to be canceled forever. Okay, so this sounds like... So Cardi this B has been canceled like, three times. Okay, this sounds like some Greek mythology. So basically... They're cast into Hades or something. What is it? They go like to hell forever or something? In people's mind. They okay. they they go they're like purgatory, right? So I'm giving you this example of Cardi B. Cardi B has been canceled three different times. So finally, and I personally love this because as you know, I am obsessed with Cardi B. Facts. Finally, she did she did a post and she was like, man. Y'all done canceled me three times. This is my third time being canceled. This is what I think about that. But <clears throat> cancel culture is really serious. 
It's very serious because when people begin to call for cancellation of a human being because of a mistake that they've made, that's a really serious thing. Now, I've seen people get canceled like <clears throat> R. Kelly, Harvey Weinstein. I'm not going to say they should not get canceled, but there are times Facts. I think when people make mistakes and even come back and immediately say, I realize this was a mistake. Either this thing I said or this thing I did, not a crime, not a physical hurting of another human being, none of those things that maybe we should cancel people for, but maybe something they said about another person can get them canceled. Like you wouldn't believe the things that can get people canceled. So what I, what I want to get into, and we kind of already started getting into it though, is, is just that, like, does that mean like you, you get sent to purgatory? Like, are you like damned to hell forever because cancel culture decided that you're next? I like the cancellation thing, just the concept of it. What I like about the idea is the fact that you actually have the power to cancel and all the way to the point where Cardi is like, y'all done cancel me two, three times. Let me <laughs> let y'all know what's going on. Um, so can y'all like apply this same thing to like mayors, um, oh. congressmen, senators? Like if this thing is like really like doing what y'all saying, so I think y'all should go a step further than just like the celebrities, right? Right. So look at like what the mayor in the town is doing. And if you don't like that motherfucker, let's cancel, cancel him. him. <laughs> Not just celebrities, just at it, period. Like just if y'all think something is 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 not just, cancel it. But but do you do you believe that people should be able to redeem themselves from cancellation. If if it's something that that is just, you know, a slip of the tongue or they said something about the wrong person. I feel like before you cancel someone, right, just make sure, like whether if it's a politician, a music, anything, that you research and make sure that you get the complete story and yeah. and you know what happens is I respect celebrities now why do you think we have our own platforms we have our own platforms because if you say something about us we literally are going to address it directly right, right? right. so oh, I always say in the case of of cancellation or saying oh I'm not gonna fuck with this person or that um, I just encourage celebrities to be upfront like, if somebody's saying something about you, get the narrative out, get your version, make mm -hmm. sure you got your platform mm -hmm. so that you could speak on it. The days of just, you gonna say something about us. Can you imagine there was a time where four mics mattered in the source? Yeah. And everybody yeah. wanted to get four mics. It was like, yo, if you ain't getting four mics, um, it's not going down. And now... My daughter, who's 15, she don't have an idea what four mics is. No. All she knows is she either loves it or don't like it. And that's the end of that. So, for sure. But that's very, very interesting, the idea of cancellation. Thank you. Thank you for keeping the floor open 
for me to be able to get into it with you. Well, thank you for the hat, and I'm very excited um, about this hat. I'll design you some more. Thank that you. wasn't a plug. I know it wasn't, or we would give you the plug gong. We got a plug <laughs> gong. There's a sound effect? Yeah, it's gonna. It's a sound effect. Well, I'm to you. We now do a promotion on this show. <laughs> you ain't get that, so you good. No more promotion. Y'all tuning in, you know it's why I clap acoustic. I never leave without giving y'all a vibe. Bob Dylan. Told y'all about the hurricane, man. I come to tell y'all about a man named Diallo, though. Have you ever been shy? 41 times. Have you ever screamed? No one heard you cry. Have you ever lived? Only so you can die. Have you ever died? Only so you can live again, then be born again from these enemies on the borderline. Who'll be the next to fire? 41 shots by the yellow side. You said he reached her. But he didn't have no peace, sir. But now he rest in peace, sir. In the belly of the beast, sir. You guys are vampires, yeah. On the middle of the night. Killing innocent people. Is that your appetite, yeah? You said he reached, sir. But he didn't have no peace, sir. But now he. Rest in peace, sir, in the belly of the beast, sir. Have you ever been held against your will? Taken to a dark place where not even scientists can reveal you. Yeah. What is for Caesar? Let it be for Caesar. We don't want no peace. We need equal rights and justice. For Diallo, Diallo For Diallo, Diallo For Diallo, Diallo Tune For Diallo, Diallo Yeah Diallo, Diallo Similar to Floyd, yeah Diallo, Diallo, similar to Sandra Blaine, yeah. Diallo, Diallo, similar to Armand. Diallo, Diallo, Black Lives Matter, yeah.